Mark chapter 4, please. Mark chapter 4. Tonight we'll look at verses 26 to 34. You may have noticed that the verses are on the back of your bulletin in the version that I preach from, uh, if that makes it a little easier for you. Mark chapter 4, beginning in verse 26. Please stand for the reading of God's Word. And he was saying, The kingdom of God is like a man who casts seed upon the soil. And he goes to bed at night and gets up by day. And the seed sprouts and grows. How? He himself does not know. The soil produces crops by itself. First the blade, then the head, then the mature grain in the head. But when the crop permits, he immediately puts in the sickle because the harvest has come. And he said, how shall we picture the kingdom of God? Or by what parable shall we present it? It is like a mustard seed, which... When sown upon the soil, though it is smaller than all the seeds that are upon the soil, yet when it is sown, it grows up, becomes larger than all the garden plants, and forms a large branches so that the birds of the air can nest under its shade. With many such parables, he was speaking the word to them so far as they were able to hear. And he did not speak to them without a parable but he was explaining everything privately to his own disciples. Please be seated. Here we have two parables about the kingdom of God. Now when we think about the kingdom of God, we get images of something grand and glorious and indescribably wonderful. Christ on His throne ruling over all. But when we look around us, that's not what we see. In fact, if we're honest, it sometimes looks as if Satan's running the show on earth. It can be disheartening when you have images and pictures in your mind of how great and grand and glorious the kingdom of God is going to be, and yet what you see when you look out at the world is... Not at all what you imagine when you think of God's kingdom. How do we keep from being disheartened? Wondering if the kingdom is really coming. How do we keep from being overwhelmed with questions and doubts? Well, tonight what I want to say to you is this. Knowing the truth about God's kingdom can help us can keep us from being disheartened. Knowing the truth about God's kingdom can keep us from being disheartened. The kingdom is like a 3D movie. I still remember the first 3D movie I ever saw. It was Jaws 3 in 3D. You know, you had to wear those colored, funny little glasses. The kingdom's kind of like that. It's kind of like a 3D movie. And the truth... It's kind of like those glasses. As long as you have the glasses on, the picture's amazing. But if you take them off, everything's fuzzy and confusing. 
You ever go to a 3D movie and take the glasses off? Yeah, it's not a pleasant picture. All things get blurred and confused and it's not good. But when you put those glasses on, the action just kind of jumps in your lap. Well, the kingdom's like that. As long as you have the lens of the truth and you're looking through that lens of the truth, everything's amazing and as it should be. But if you lose sight of the truth, Everything gets fuzzy and confusing and those questions and doubts begin to rise. Are you with me? Without the truth, everything gets fuzzy and confusing. If we're going to see clearly in regard to God's kingdom, we have to have the truth. And so the first thing I want to say to you tonight from these verses is this. The key to not being disheartened about God's kingdom is understanding God's kingdom. That's simple. To keep from becoming discouraged about God's kingdom and about the things we see in the world and what seems to be the disconnect between the two, we simply need to have a good understanding of the truth. And in these two parables, we have two truths that we need to understand well. Two things that we need to understand about the kingdom that will help you and I to keep from being disheartened if we'll just keep these in mind. The first thing we need to understand about the kingdom, understand the growth of the kingdom. This is in the first parable, verses 26 through 29, the parable of the seed. Now what this parable tells us is that the seed is growing and the harvest will come even though the farmer doesn't know how and has no ability to make it happen. He makes a remark here that the seed sprouts and grows, verse 27. And in this parable, he explains that with four expressions. He tells us how the seed sprouts and grows. First of all, in verse 27, the seed grows night and day. Did you see it? The kingdom is like a mustard seed sown upon the soil. Small, excuse me, I'm in the wrong parable. Verse 26, the kingdom of God is like a man who casts seed upon the soil. He goes to bed at night, gets up by day, and the seed sprouts. You get that? It grows, whether it's night or whether it's day, whether he's sleeping or whether he's awake. What that means is the kingdom grows continually without interruption. The farmer doesn't see the growth from day to day as he goes out and looks at the ground. But it is taking place nonetheless, even apart from his vision. So it is with the kingdom of God. It may appear as if nothing's happening, but that isn't the case. Quietly and imperceptibly, the kingdom of God is growing and expanding all the time. The return of Christ is getting nearer and nearer. Although in your own personal experience, nothing may seem any different. Although from your vision, from your point of view, nothing may look any different. Yet like that seed in the ground, 
even when you can't see it, that process of growth is happening and taking place. Jesus came, He planted the seed of the gospel with His life, death, and resurrection, and that seed has been growing and expanding ever since. It expands night and day continuously. Here's the second thing we see about the growth of the kingdom. It grows whether the farmer sleeps or gets up. The seed grows night and day. It grows whether the farmer sleeps or gets up. Verse 27, he goes to bed at night and gets up by day and the seed sprouts and grows. Rather he's in bed or rather he's up. That means the growth of the seed is independent of the farmer's actions. You got it? In other words, the seed to grow, the seed doesn't depend on the farmer standing there doing something. That doesn't mean the disciples of Jesus have no role to play in the work of the kingdom. What it does mean is this. The growth of the kingdom does not depend on us. Can I tell you something? Growing the seed is not the farmer's work. In fact, he couldn't do it if he wanted to. All the farmer can do is what? Plant the seed. Plant the seed. Listen. The coming of God's kingdom doesn't depend on anything we do or don't do. Christ came. He established the kingdom of God with His life, death, and resurrection. And it's coming. It's coming. Just as surely as that seed in the ground is going to grow, when you plant that seed in the ground, it's going to grow under normal circumstances. Now there's some things you can do as a, as a gardener to help it grow, but the reality is the process of growth is out of your control. That means continually, without interruption, the kingdom of God is growing. Whether we're active or inactive, the kingdom of God is growing and expanding. Here's the third thing I want you to see. The seed grows, though the farmer doesn't know how. Verse 27, the end of the verse. The seed sprouts and grows. How? He Himself does not know. The farmer cannot explain how the seed germinates in the soil and plants grow that produce grain. Modern scientists today maybe could explain to you kind of how that process works. But a farmer in Jesus' day had no, no idea about none of that. And I'm going to tell you, 99.9% .9 of the farmers today couldn't explain all that to you either. But here's the thing I want you to see. How much the farmer does or does not know about how the process works is of no consequence. It doesn't matter if he don't know anything about how the process works. He plants that seed, it's going to grow. Even if he is totally ignorant about how the process works. Whether he understands it or not, that seed sprouts and grows. 
Listen to what I'm trying to say to you. Human knowledge, human insight can never explain the mysteries of the kingdom of God. Human insight, human understanding can never explain how the kingdom of God advances and grows in the world, but it does. Listen, just because you don't understand it, just because you can't explain how it works and how it's going through in the earth, just because you can't define the process, doesn't mean the kingdom of God is not growing and expanding. Are you with me? Just because you can't see what's going on below the ground doesn't mean the seed's not growing. Just because you can't explain how the whole thing works doesn't mean the seed's not growing. Just because you're not standing there doing something doesn't mean the seed's not growing. You with me? The seed was planted and the seed is growing. The kingdom is growing. Here's the fourth thing we learn about the seed. The growth of the seed in the soil happens all by itself. Look at verse 28. The soil produces crops by itself. First the blade, then the head, then the mature grain on the head. See those words, by itself? Without visible cause. Now catch this. This is important. The farmer only plants the seed. Listen, listen carefully. The fruit-bearing potential lies in the seed, not in the farmer. You catch that? The potential for bearing fruit is in the seed not in the farmer. The growth of the kingdom of God is inherent in the Word of God. The power to grow the kingdom is in the gospel. It's a work of God. It doesn't rest with you and me. 1 Corinthians 3, 6 and 7. Paul said, I planted, Apollos watered, but God was causing the growth. So then neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but God who causes the growth. The seed is planted, it's watered by the rain, it's given light by the sun, and it grows. Whether the farmer is even there to see it makes no difference. The power for growth and life is in the seed. Listen, with the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, the seed of the gospel was planted, and in that seed is life. In the gospel is life. When the gospel is planted, when the seed of the gospel goes forward, it will produce life. In God's way, in God's time, to the degree that God desires, the seed will produce life. The power does not rest in the farmer. It's in the seed. Life is in the seed. Let me summarize it like this. 
What are we learning in this parable? The kingdom of God does not depend on human effort to achieve it, and human insight will not be able to explain it. The kingdom of God does not depend on human effort to achieve it, and human insight will not be able to explain it. One Bible commentator said it this way, This parable is a message about rightly interpreting and responding to the period of the apparent inaction of the kingdom of God. It appears nothing's happening. Despite appearances to the contrary, it is growing and the harvest will come, but it will come in God's time and in God's way, not by human effort or in accordance with human logic. You catch that? The harvest will come. The kingdom will come. But it will come in God's time and in God's way, not by human effort or in accordance with human logic. See, Jesus is like that patient farmer. He is supremely confident in the coming kingdom. Even though he's faced with opposition from religious leaders, even though there's misunderstanding from the crowds who hear him, Jesus is not disheartened, he's not distraught, he's not desperate. Why? Because he knows that the seed will produce life. The kingdom is coming. Harvest day is coming. And the point is, he doesn't have any anxiety and his disciples shouldn't have any anxiety. We should rest that the seed of the gospel has been planted. There is life in the seed and it is growing whether we're awake or whether we're asleep. It is growing whether we see it or we don't. It is growing whether we do anything or we don't. And the seed will come to harvest. The kingdom of God will come. Mark 4.29 When the crop permits, He immediately puts in the sickle the harvest has come. The harvest symbolizes the full and final arrival of the kingdom of God. In other words, the day will come. Christ will come in all of His glory. He will gather His own to Himself. The unbelieving will face the judgment of God. God's eternal kingdom will take its final form in the new heaven and the new earth. So take heart. Even though you don't see it, even though you don't yet understand it, the kingdom is growing. Harvest day is coming. Now you see why I tell you that to keep from being disheartened, you have to understand some things. How the kingdom grows. So what do we do? Two things. We sow the seed and we wait patiently and confidently. We can't grow the seed. But you know what we can do? We can sow the seed. Our primary role as God's church is to proclaim the Word of God about the Son of God. We should do that from this pulpit. We should do that in the Sunday school classes. We should do that when we're out in the public square with people. We should talk to them about our faith and our own experience of salvation. We should share tracts with people and communicate the gospel. We should talk about the gospel around the dinner table with Friends and family, we sow the seed of the gospel. We sow it liberally, not sparingly. It's not our responsibility to make it grow. The life is in the seed. All we got to do is grab a handful of it and scatter it. And then we wait patiently and confidently. The seed of the gospel will, get, will bear fruit. 
not maybe, it definitely will bear fruit in God's way and in God's time. We wait patiently, even though we don't see anything happening at the moment. We wait confidently, trusting that God is at work, He is growing and He is advancing the kingdom of His Son. Harvest day is coming. How do you keep from being disheartened? You understand the growth of the kingdom. Now there's another parable we want to look at here. And this will help us to understand the future of the kingdom. Understand the future of the kingdom. This parable teaches us that despite the smallness of the seed, the end result will be quite impressive. Verse 31. The kingdom is like a mustard seed, which when it is sown upon the soil, is smaller than all the seeds that are upon the soil. The plant referred to in this text is the black mustard seed. It was used as a flavoring for food, much like we use mustard as a condiment today. And it was used for many, many different medicinal purposes. Its oil was used for a lot of different things. Now, the seed is very, very tiny. Over 700 seeds in one gram of seeds. Tiny. It's not the tiniest seed in the world, but it is the tiniest seed that the people of Palestine in Jesus' day would have been familiar with. For them, it was the smallest seed. And he said the kingdom is like this tiny seed. What does he mean? Small beginning. Small beginning. Jesus came on the scene as a relatively unknown carpenter from Nazareth in Galilee. Did you know, even at the height of his popularity, he really only had a relatively small number of actual followers? He had a lot of fans, but his actual followers were never more than about 120. The movement of Christ, this Christian movement when Jesus was alive, was confined to a very small part of the world. You do realize that. This movement was confined to a very small part of the world. This is a small beginning. An unknown carpenter who never had more than a hundred or so actual committed followers. And by the time he got to the cross, he didn't have that many. It was in a relatively unknown part of the world. Just a small part of the world. Small beginning. It might be hard to imagine that the great and glorious kingdom of God could grow out of something like that. Can you imagine how the disciples of Jesus' day would have heard this parable? You see, in their day, the kingdom of God, the gospel hadn't been preached all over the world. So for them to try to imagine how something that had such a small beginning could ever be the kingdom of God the way they imagined it. Verse 32. Though it is the smaller, it is smaller than all the seeds on the soil, yet when it is sown, it grows up and becomes larger than all the garden plants and forms large branches so that the birds of the air can nest under its shade. Despite being such a small seed, over 700 seeds in one gram of seeds, 
the mustard plant from one single seed can grow to a size of 10 feet tall. Even as much as 15 in some cases. It was the largest of the garden plants in Palestine at that time. What is Jesus saying? Despite its small beginning, the kingdom of God will not just become a large kingdom. It will not even become the largest kingdom. It will become the only kingdom and will encompass all of creation. Revelation eleven fifteen. Then the seventh angel sounded and there were loud voices in heaven saying, The kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and His Christ and He will reign forever and ever. One author describes the message of the parable like this, What appears to be the smallest is nevertheless the greatest. In that which is hidden, the foundation of a work is laid that will encompass the whole world. What began in the Galilean ministry of Jesus will, by the power of God, culminate in a kingdom more grand and more glorious and more far-reaching than anyone could have ever imagined. This is a reminder to Christ's disciples not to be disheartened as we wait for the full majesty of God's kingdom to be revealed. Listen, the present form of God's kingdom may not seem all that impressive to us. Its power and its majesty may seem hidden to us at the moment. But it will not always remain so. Take heart. The day of the Lord is coming. So the first thing we've noticed is that the key to not being disheartened is understanding the truth about the kingdom. The second thing I want to show you is the key to understanding the kingdom is a relationship with Christ. Verses 33 and 34. With many such parables, He was speaking the word to them so far as they were able to hear it. He was speaking the word to them. Who is them? Well, them is the crowds that had been following Jesus and listening to Him. Not necessarily His true followers, just the crowds who had kind of flocked to Him. All these fans, they were listening to Him. and It says He's speaking to them in parables. Notice this. So far as they were able to hear it. He was teaching them to the extent they were able to understand. Now here's the question, why wouldn't they be able to understand? Because most didn't have ears to hear. You remember the parable of the soils? Some, when they hear the word, they just dismiss it and disregard it out of hand. Some bail as soon as, they, as soon as things get hard. Some are too in love with the world, so they never really hear the word and receive the word and bear fruit. That's why most of those who listened were not able to understand. Jesus does not reward 
those people with greater understanding and insight into the truth. Those who don't listen well don't get rewarded with greater insight and greater knowledge and greater truth. Why? They have no capacity for it. That's why he speaks to the crowds in parables. Verse 34, did you see it? He did not speak to them without a parable. Hmm. Those who didn't truly listen would remain in ignorance. But notice the end of verse 34. He was explaining everything to His disciples in private. Those who heard the Word, those who received it, those who followed Christ were given insight and understanding into the kingdom of God. But it remained a mystery to everyone else. We're back to Mark chapter 4, verse 11 again. He was saying to them, To you has been given the mystery of the kingdom of God, but to those who are outside, they get everything in parables. What's he saying? Listen very carefully. It is the true disciples of Jesus. It is those who believe in and follow Him who are enabled to hear and understand the truth about the kingdom of God. Listen, the good news about God's kingdom centers in the person and work of Christ. Unless and until you receive Him, you will remain in the dark when it comes to knowing and understanding the kingdom of God. Let me illustrate this way. You can never become a doctor without having a thorough knowledge and understanding of human anatomy. Why? To practice medicine is to treat the various diseases and injuries and ailments of the human body. In the same way, you'll never understand the truth about God's kingdom without knowing Jesus. Why? Because the truth about God's kingdom is the truth about who Jesus is and what He's done. All the promises of God's kingdom are fulfilled in Jesus. He is the sum and substance of all that God has promised about the kingdom. It all comes to pass in Him. It was all brought into being by Him. He's what makes it all possible. You'll never understand the kingdom apart from Jesus because Jesus is the heart of the kingdom. Until you come to the place where you know and understand and accept Jesus for who He is, Till that relationship was established, the kingdom remains a mystery. Even if you understand it to some extent intellectually, it will never have any impact on you. You will never treat it as anything more than random knowledge. Useless information. It's only through a relationship with Jesus that you're really able to grasp the truth and feel the significance of it and be motivated and changed by it. Listen, knowing the truth about God's kingdom can keep you from being disheartened. But to know the truth, you have to have ears to hear. You have to listen. Only true disciples have ears to hear. We're back kind of to, to where we started this morning, aren't we? You have to listen. Listen, I've given you the information about the kingdom that can help you not to be disheartened. I've used the parable to explain to you how the growth of the kingdom works and explain to you that 
the kingdom is going to grow. It is going to expand. The harvest is going to come. Jesus is coming back. All that's promised will come to pass. Whether you see it or don't, whether you understand it or don't, whether you do anything or don't, it's coming. It's going to happen. I've used the second parable of the mustard seed to explain to you that despite what it may seem to you, this kingdom, even though it had a tiny beginning, is going to encompass all of created creation and Christ will rule. Every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess and it will be more glorious than you ever imagined. I've explained the truth to you. But if you don't really listen, you don't have ears to hear, if you don't meditate on it and seek to take it to heart and pray that God would, would, would drive that truth in your heart, it won't affect the way you think and the way you feel. It'll just be random information stored somewhere in the back of your brain. You'll treat it like 10,000 other sermons you heard. You'll go home and never consider it again. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Let's pray.